I guess that you've just kept going from strength to strength. Um, and I guess in terms of, you know, I see you as, you know, you're always in the office, very cool, calm, collected. Uh, I mean, from an outside perspective, I guess, but you definitely seem like one of the most balanced agents around in terms of you don't seem to be kind of in the dumps, you know, and then, you know, jumping around, you know, in fancy cars or anything. So talk to me about kind of success and obviously how you, how you balance energy and also, you know, your personal life. Yeah, it's something I've got a lot better at. Uh, in the early days, I kind of went to prove a point and just be, you know, for example, I might be in the office till 10 p.m. every night just to be in the office to say I was the last person there. Like, yeah. I just wanted to prove I was that person who worked so hard. And it, and it worked to a degree, you could argue, mm. but it also burnt me out a little bit. I probably yeah. didn't work terribly smart at that time. I just wanted to be there. And, and, and there is some merit in that, but at the same time, that's not the way to do it long term. Mm. I've always loved the duck analogy of you're paddling underwater furiously, but you're very calm on the surface. Mm. Callan, a very good example of that. Angelo, very good example. Very good. Uh, probably learned it the most from him sitting next to him. I remember we'd have so much going on, and then you know another agent would call him up in the morning. He might speak to regularly with yourself or Stefan or someone or a vendor, and he'd just like, no, I'm not, you know, got a little bit going on. Pretty, pretty, you know, pretty quiet today. Yeah. yeah. And he was very good at being calm and. And I've seen other agents that go the other way as well. And I just don't think there's any value in just being so up and down because I don't yeah. think work necessarily ties people out because working an extra amount of hours isn't going to, I think, I, th- I think ruin you. I think it's actually the fact that you finish at 6 p.m., which is okay, but then you go home and you take it home and you're thinking about it and yeah. you're overstressing. You're, you're kicking yourself over that deal that fell over mm. and the list in your loss or the list in your waiting to hear back on. And it's that, emo- it's, that, it's that mental toll as opposed to the actual hours you're putting in. Yeah. So I, I, would, I would say I'm working later hours arguably at the moment than I ever have been. I feel very level. And I feel very calm. Yeah. I sleep well. I exercise well. I eat well. Um, but at the same time, I'm working, I'm working significant hours. But mm. I've just learned to enjoy being at work. I've learned to actually enjoy sort of the, the conversations I'm having with people. And when, like I had a terrible week this week, of, you know, I had over $5 million of call ups in a week. It's a sick thinking about how much, you know, yeah. where that sits in sort of total, you know, that those deals are probably, that commission for those two deals is probably what a lot of agents are running a year. So yeah. it's... Um, yeah. it's scary when you look at it like that but at the same time it's like there's no value in getting too caught up in that at least I'm in a position to lose those type of deals a lot of agents would kill to even get an opportunity of half of that Yeah. so coming back to what I said things are never as good as they seem they are things are never as bad as well so yeah. I think the person who's level wins out in the long run yeah. um, and I've just made a decision if I'm going to do this business properly I'm just going to do it in a methodical calm way mm. that doesn't mean you won't work really long hours but you've got to do it in a way that actually you get to the end of the year and you go, mm-hmm. geez, I could still keep going. I could go for another month if we get to November and I've got three months of the year. I'm not mm. completely spent and burnt out. Yeah, absolutely. And you've done that incredibly well. And I guess that, I know you've obviously had a few a tough week with a few cool-offs and, and, and all agents go through it, but I think that I see with good agents and especially with you that the abundance mentality is why you don't get off track. You know, if they were the two deals and that was your, your next two months, okay, there's a, you know, it's alarm bells, but you've got other deals in the works, you've got other property coming to market, so you can stay more level rather than riding the bumps of, of real Absolutely. estate. So, um, all right, just to wrap up, maybe talk us through the future. You know, obviously you've had an incredible um, year. What, what are you on track to write for, you know, a rolling, what is it? Cal- calendar year, I'd, yeah. I'd be on track to write six to seven so just phenomenal year, maybe eight yeah yeah wow eight. which is as, a, as really a solo agent with a little bit of support 
Um, what what's your goals? What do you want to achieve in in this business? I think it always changes. I I, I don't have a set a set five year timeline of where I need to be. Um, I, I like to be pretty lucid with with my mm. plans. Um, yeah. At the same time, there's some key things I really want to tick off. So. Uh, I, th- I think it's that whole analogy of like just the water going through a stream like you're constantly ebbing and flowing things are changing look how much change we've had in the last 12 months yeah so you think back to me maybe 12 months ago early november last year if i had these rigid rigid goals of i have to write 500 i have to write a million by this date those things if we moved probably wouldn't have happened in that timeline so yeah how does that affect how I, how i see myself and the value i put on myself not work mm. so i think it's so important that you, you have that fluidity to how you work with goals and where you want to go so a big thing for me going into this year and i spoke to you a lot about this was i wanted to buy a property yeah at least to get a, kind of a foothold and sort of having a bit more purpose with even things like saving, etc., and, and the direction. Um, as I said, luckily that's now happened, which is awesome. So uh, that's kind of why I can be tick off. And, that, and that's given me a bit of a, a new uh, level of energy as well to sort of focus on a bit of a hobby mm. project to work on. So so that's a portion that's been a big goal for me. And then obviously the numbers to write, uh, you know, I stretched my goal this year to try and write 550, and that was an intimidating number. It comes back to it's always you finish the year and you go, was that a bit lucky to write what I did last year, for example? Mm. Um, but if you just keep doing the work, like you just get that natural progression. So looking at things now, I'll, I would obviously love to do a little bit more than that. I'd love to push on to six mm. to 800, um, which is very possible if, the, if things keep going well. So Absolutely. I think if I can push on above that, uh, at the end of the year, I'll look back and be really, really comfortable with how that year's gone. Mm. Um, what's after that? Uh, uh, there's certainly a level of getting into a, a, a wider team team group I suppose for myself over the next two years so mm-hmm. I'd love to be a team of three within two years and what that probably looks like is writing one to one and a half million within two years yeah awesome um, and at the same time if it doesn't but things have gone well I don't think I won't beat myself up over yeah. I, never have, I never have with numbers I used to be far too fixated that I'd tie my worth to if I had a good or bad month and and it just doesn't set you up in the right way because yeah. even the best agent's going to have a bad month or things that are out of your yeah. control. So I think as long as you're put, doing the work, we texted you last night about that. Like put, you know, take care of the work and the work will take Absolutely. care of you. Absolutely, always does. So I think if you have that longer-term vision and, and longer than that, there's certainly other plans as well, um, whether that's in property development as well, not just mm. real estate. I think real estate is a great vehicle for setting you up in life. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily always have to be the be all and end all as well. I still think real estate's a young man's game. Like I don't think yeah. doing real estate at sixty is the type of is the type of industry you and I both want to be a part of. I think yeah. it's a it's an industry for young people, relatively speaking. Yeah. Um, but it can set you up phenomenally if you do the right things with it, irrespective of what role you're in. Mm. Well, mate, uh, incredibly excited to see where the career goes. I know from my point of view, couldn't be more proud of what you've done in the last you know, a few years, especially with the adversity you've had to go through um, and you're just absolutely smashing it. So thank you for having, uh, being the first guest on our podcast, uh, Zachary Watts. Thank, thank you very mate. much, mate. Love Appreciate it. it. Beauty. Well All right. Okie dokie. Very exciting day. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, the first official Noakes Nicholas podcast and we have a, a big treat today. The number one agent at Noakes Nicholas, uh, no other than Zachary Watts. Uh, Zach, welcome to the podcast. Mate, thanks for having me. Very excited, the inaugural one. Absolutely. So, mate, gonna be a bit of a freestyle today, so don't expect too much. Uh, 
I guess the reason we wanted to do this is just obviously unpack kind of, you know, where you're at in your career, obviously share with the others in the company, uh, you know, just your experience so far, add some value, of course. Um, and I guess just deep dive into kind of how you've got to this spot here, because I mean, uh, you know, I look at it today and it's uh, October 2022 and you're the number one agent at Nope Stingless and uh, you've just gone on a incredible growth journey over the last you know six to 12 months so um i guess before we kind of get into that i thought what would be good is just to kind of you know go back to kind of where you started uh and i guess just understand a bit about your background so mate probably just give us a bit of a rundown of kind of your background before real estate and kind of how it all got to today yeah not to completely bore you but pretty unique story i uh, grew up in northern territory in Alice springs so i spent my yeah. whole childhood growing up there ended up having high school completed in adelaide and then basically after, after high school i wasn't sure what to do i was kind of looking at the finance sector was always really interested in numbers yeah and probably did well enough in year 12 to get myself into a position to go to university so i thought I'll reset, my mum was moving back to Northern Territory, I'll go back for a year, I'll yeah, go and wow. get a job, and then I'll decide if I want to move back to Adelaide, maybe Melbourne. Yeah, wow. So what ended up happening is I moved back to Northern Territory, mm. ended up ended up flipping the job at uh, LJ Hooker, the local branch up there. Which hookers. For hookers there, so very established up there, the managing director been there for over 30 years, so it was wow. a very well respected brand in that area, compared to probably some of the other brands sitting there, it was very... It wow. Was, it felt like some of the some of the top brands in Adelaide with how people looked at it there. So, so how many in the group there? How many in the company? So I had about eighteen staff. Okay, about so four key sales agents, long term agents, driving anywhere from three to four hundred up to about one to one and a half million. Okay, so, so some some pretty serious agents. agents, yeah. So that was really interesting. So I really jumped into it. And I just loved it from day one. So I started right from the reception desk to move into a property management assistant role to a leasing position and then into administration and sales. And then wow. as soon as I got to the administration side of sales, I just knew that was the direction I wanted to move in. Yeah. And then just really got on the front foot with the sales guys of helping it open, doing what I could after hours, just putting in all the extra effort. Yeah, wow. Working a second job at night, if not three jobs for the two years that I ended up being there. Wow, hey. So I got to year one and the opportunity I was starting to get was, was, was awesome. Like I ended up managing the department for about four people in the administration side there. Jeez, and, and how um, old were you then? 19 and Far, yeah. average age of 30 35 in, in that's that phenomenal group. yeah wow. so the director gave me a lot of opportunity in that position so i decided to stay on for another year really build up my savings build my understanding of the actual sales side of real estate yeah and i made a decision that after another year i'd move to adelaide irrespective of having a job lined up i made a decision i'll do one more year so what ended up happening is i gave notice in february 2018 yeah about eight weeks notice yeah. And I hadn't had a job lined up in Adelaide yet, but at that point I decided that I wanted to move. So I flew down to Adelaide for a couple of interviews with Ons Castley, ended up getting in touch with Phil Harris, yeah, right. and had a, two catch-ups with him in the end. So I flew down to Adelaide twice. I've made a decision I was going to move down irrespective, but luckily enough I lined up a job in the company at Harris before I moved down. So I got to Adelaide at the early beginning of March 2018, and within wow. a week I was working at Harris and never looked back. Holy moly. And how old were you then? 20. 20. Yeah, just wow. 20. That's unbelievable. Because, I mean, I obviously had the privilege of kind of meeting you at the Glenelg office, and you would have been, mm. what, 20 when you came across. Uh, and you were definitely a different kid. Like, you know, for 20 years old, just so driven, knew what you wanted. I was like, this kid is going to be something special one day. So 
I guess what what was the what was the driver for you in terms of sales, real estate? Was it always just anything that made you so hungry from the get go? I think for the first couple of years I couldn't define it. Can now more clearly. At the time, I really just made the decision. I was you know heavily into self development. I remember going to my first Eric, Michael, and I were you know good motor buddies from school, going back to year eight, and I've been best mates since then. That we went to Eric twenty. 16 yeah, right. and it was probably the first time I'd ever been in, a, in an environment where I thought you could really thrive like you know talking about numbers talking about finance sort of growing your career and your purchase in life it was the first environment I've been mm. in where that was actually welcome so as soon as that happened I just felt right at home so I think it was probably that moment that things started switching got yeah, really right. obsessed with self-education I was just listening to books audio podcasts reading every single day mm. and I think that put me in a very good position when I got to Adelaide probably the context I had growing up as well I always wanted more you know came from a pretty difficult upbringing I think I lived in I think going probably 18 to 20 houses up until wow. 12 always yeah, moving right. with rentals short-term rentals so yeah, parents have owned the property. So I think always just wanted the opportunity to go further. So wow. that was probably the big driving factor. And I just made the decision when I moved to, back to Adelaide that it was a burn the boats mentality. Like I was moving yeah. without any, there was no fallback plan. And Ryan said, I remember he used to talk about like, it was either go back and paint the fences on the farmland where you just live or make it in New York. And I had the same mentality where it was I either make it or I go back and I wasn't going back. Yeah, so um, I just decided when I got to Adelaide, I was going to commit 110%. I was going to be working to whatever hours it took. And it felt easy because at the time I was working two or three jobs, as I said, at night. So even no matter how hard the work was, it was only one job. And I just thrived in that opportunity. You went all in. Time when we, you know, it was myself, you, Callum. We had a great environment at the Glenelg office at that time. Yeah, it was, and it was, a, it was a thriving environment. So I just loved it from the start. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, so you start on as a, a associate to a senior agent, mm-hmm. um, and you know what? What did your day look like? What kind of things were you doing? Uh, some of them much the same as now. Like that's the thing about real estate is it is is the, the wins and the repetitiveness of it and the consistency. Mm. And some of those activities are identical to what you still do today as well that I was doing after a week. It was. It was really getting into the office around 7 to 8 a.m., getting onto the phone calls, having a morning meeting. By 12 p.m., I was probably doing some administration work at that time as a co-agent position. Mm. Um, we were running some decent numbers at that point, so I was pretty busy at the time. At yeah. The um, at the first year, didn't do much listing in terms of appointments, appraisals, etc. It was more for that first six to 12 months getting the senior agent in the door for opportunities. Absolutely. And then I might get rewarded for that in, in, in a financial way yeah. to get him the opportunity to get a listing. After six to 12 months, I, I, I really looked at it when I needed to start growing my own database. And that was an interesting environment. There was some good examples and your team was probably the best at the time of actually supporting the younger agents coming up. Yeah. And I looked at what you were doing with Callum at the time, because he had really, mm. that was probably the year he really started to explode. Yeah. And which is, I'd love to get to that. Yeah. And, and, and it was that clear pathway. So I, after I think that first six to 12 months, I got a bit more context for the Adelaide market and I really made an opportunity, an effort to start growing my own database. But it took 12 months to get that first listing. To really start, yeah, getting momentum, yeah. which is funny because obviously, you know, you look at the landscape, everybody wants that, mm. that, you know, that instant gratification. But, you know, it's, it's not an easy business, you know, real estate. And uh, I think what I saw from just observing you, you were very different to a lot of the people I saw come in and out of the, the business at the time. Um, and even today, I'm, I'm not surprised of your success because 
the what you said before in terms of immersing yourself in the education not many people do that you know what i mean like uh you know the listening to the podcast you know the reading the articles uh going to eric wanting to just do everything to just immerse your brain in real estate and just be so you know educated on everything is it's very rare is it something that you think that really helped you in that first part of your career to kind of elevate you yeah without doubt just having the context of being able to speak to adults probably the most important mm. like being so young to be trusted with them with, with, with the listening is probably one of the most difficult things that young people in real estate struggle with without knowing they struggle with it mm. is the person will probably never tell you that's why they didn't list with you but mm. that would be a reason maybe without realising it so so I think the, the learning how to speak to adults who are 40, 50 and actually not be awkward have that conversation and have that trust and confidence definitely probably came from the education side my growing up as well very unique as well as I said it was a very different town growing up in, in, in a country town and you learn to deal with adults very quickly so yeah. so I feel like I had a few advantages there but I think the biggest thing was the education like I just became obsessed with education to the point of I had like that fear of missing out of not learning more like if mm. I didn't have my you know it's still the same now like if I don't have my airpods in while I'm cooking or while I'm doing something around the house it's like I could be learning something in that half hour and I have that Absolutely. fear of loss of time just by having an opportunity to, okay, what's the next thing I could be learning about? Absolutely. I think it's such a key characteristic of high performers. They just want to make sure every moment that they are in work mode or even personal mode, they're just trying to grow and learn. Um, you know, because you can, you can do eight hours of, of real work um, or you can do a couple of hours but be around for eight hours. So yeah, exactly. I think that the productivity is massive for, for people growing and trying to get the most out of their career and I've seen you do it you know, better than just about anyone. Um, in terms of like the first 12 months, what, what were some of the difficult things you know, that you've had, you had to overcome? Obviously it's challenging. What did you find at uh, the adversity in that first 12 I think in the first 12, maybe 24 months, I got far too attached to the outcome very early. Yeah. Probably not in terms of cause, because I was comfortable to always make the cause and I wasn't seeing the return and I was okay at the time with that. Mm. It was probably more in the sense of, I took things very, very serious, like I was too serious and we often, you know, you and I often talk about being that calm, reassuring voice to vendors and, and you're, I was so intense, you know, speaking to a buyer or yeah. kind of senior agent's vendor. So, and I think it was a fear of stuffing up and it was probably a fear of a deal falling over. And if that did happen, just getting so caught up in it and it's the end of the world because you didn't have the context of the bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think just getting really down when, it, when a listing didn't come together or a single sale because at that time when you're only getting one opportunity a month, that means so much more when you lose that. When oh. now you have enough balls, like you and myself both have enough balls up in the air, you can afford to lose a little bit or a bit falls over. Absolutely. So I think just getting far too attached to the outcome, uh, probably putting too much pressure on myself too early because it's just a you know comparison culture with real estate and, and, and the world we're in. Like you look mm. at guys at the time, Callum was moving on to two, three, four hundred thousand. Mm. But I didn't see the three years before that where he was riding 30 and 60 yeah. at 30 years old, where at the time I just looked like he was absolutely killing it. And absolutely. And all the momentum. So, and then even guys, I remember like Jared Stamoulis and some other young guys. And and so I think I think just the comparison side of trying not to get caught up and going, why am I not at that stage yet as well? Definitely. So that was probably some of the big, big hurdles. Um, yeah, looking back, I think the, the environment at the time we had was awesome. Uh, I think it can be very difficult sometimes working in teams of two sometimes because yeah. at, the, at the senior agent I was working with was 
working from home majority of the time. So I was in the office 95% of the time by myself. structure. Yeah. yeah, morning meetings would happen very irregularly. Like I think that's the biggest thing as a senior mm-hmm. agent now. You have to be, you have to be so they're consistent with the people you're working with to give them the stability and the foundation. So that was a big takeaway. And I think just being in the office probably a lot of the time by myself was probably one that I was comfortable with, but it could have also gone the other way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that first, you know, 12, 24 months, I think you did exceptionally well. I guess there was a point though, uh, and I know we chatted a lot and obviously um, you felt that environment's such an important thing in real estate. Um, and I guess some personalities are going to fit with others, and I guess you got to a bit of a crossroads where you felt that you wanted to be in a different environment um, within that business. So tell us a bit about that and obviously transitioning into Angelo's team. Yeah, it was something where I, I love the growth environment that we had at the time of the company. However, I wasn't in the right team at that time for me, yeah. so it didn't suit where I was trying to take my career. and. It probably came six to 12 months before I actually transitioned out of that team. I realized that, mm. but I made a decision that I wasn't going to complain. I was going to keep my head down. I was going to work my ass off and there were an opportunity will come up because if you do the right work and you keep showing up, an opportunity will always come up in real estate or an employment position. And yeah. it was a big enough company where there was always going to be an opportunity, whether it was with yourself or yep. Angelo, possibly Tom. It was a very small group of people I was comfortable to work with. Yeah. And Angelo was probably the pinnacle of that. So, yeah. Uh, but it came at a difficult time because it was it was just as we got into COVID. Mm, I think times were tough. Yeah. I, I hadn't listed a property. I come up with a really, really strong six months and then I hadn't listed a property in those first four months of 2020. Um, and then things aligned. I caught up with Angelo and, 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 and he asked me to come work with him. So that was a really exciting opportunity and that felt like a bit of a new lease on life at that time. So I didn't think twice. So I moved across to the Kent Town office at the time. Yeah. And, and, and just started thriving and I can still remember when he, he set my budget and it was about double what I'd written the year wow. before and it was an intimidating amount because that previous year it felt like a bit of a flip getting to what I'd written and I was still <laughs> yeah. questioning that imposter syndrome of am I good enough to do this again yeah. and, and I didn't feel comfortable with it but he just kept pushing me he showed me his growth he said this is the opportunity you're going to get that you didn't have previously mm. and I remember from the first week it just started materialising and it wasn't that all the results came straight away but the opportunity came and I was, I was smart enough and good enough to be able to leverage that yeah absolutely and look i mean it's one of those things in real estate i find like obviously i was close to you through that period and the agent you were with was a fantastic agent i think still one of the best agents in the game but i guess ultimately environment is so important and i felt that yeah you were going to be very fitted to angelo's team you both had the same mindset you wanted to both grow um quite aggressively and i just yeah i I could just tell it was going to be a good fit so um so the Greek God, <laughs> uh, I guess you move into the to the to the Greeks team, and uh, obviously he's you know he was one of the smoothest real estate agents. Yeah, God bless him. Um, going around, and we'll, we'll chat about that a bit more. But I guess in terms of just starting with him, tell us a bit about how that all looked. Yeah, you know, one of my favourite quotes is "Win is as much environmental as it is mental," and it's so true. And there's probably never a better example of that scenario. Where I was working in the same company, Mm. everything was the same. The opportunity, the database was the same. The access to to contacts, there was nothing changed. Mm. But my world changed the day I went and started working with Angelo. Yeah, and and it came down to him really. And it was a fantastic team environment. Worked with you know Todd and Daniela, two others. There was a group of four of us. Yeah, all of a sudden I went from being in the office, you know, eighteen hours 
was a day at that time. No wow. gym every night to suddenly there was a group of four of us. There was energy. There was a lot of consistency. Yeah. There was extremely aggressive growth. And, yeah, wow. And, and Angela, you know, you get more pumped for a listener of mine than he would for his. So that was something <laughs> I hadn't experienced. So uh, probably two pumps. So, yeah. So, yeah, especially if it was getting paid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you always check what the fee was. Yeah. So, but but that that would completely change things. Like the energy of being in a team meeting that was consistent at eight a.m. every day. Yeah, right. Carrying, at the time, it was carrying thirty to fifty, you know, thirty to fifty properties on the market. Phenomenal. It, it was just numbers I hadn't been exposed to. Yeah. And just to go, this is, and that became the new norm. And they went from writing 50 a month, felt like an okay month previously, to mm. like we're failing if we're writing less than 150 to 200 a month. And, and I, Phenomenal. Just, I just thrived on that. I just got so much opportunity off the back of that. He gave me a lot of opportunity. Definitely. And, and it ran very quickly. Yeah. Wow. I mean, uh, how long were you in Angelo's team at Harris? It was... Over 18 months. About 18 yeah. months. So, not a long time when you look at it like that. Yeah, yeah. it was, you know, yeah. I guess in terms of from the moment you started, you were not writing really, you were, what kind of numbers were you? So, the day I started was literally the first day of the financial year. So, midway through 2020, so really good timing to start yeah. the year with a fresh slate. That's, you know, we know how big that is in real estate to hit the ground running. Yep. I'd come off the six months prior to that, I'd sold three properties. Yeah, twelve thousand one hundred dollars of commission per yeah, wow. unit. So I, I was very nervous going into it, but I knew I had the work ethic. But things had slipped, COVID happened, and I just wasn't putting the work in. And I, I hadn't had an open in five months because the agent I had was doing all the opens himself, or there, yeah. was, no, there was no opens, and saying that there wasn't much on uh, available business at the time. So, so I, I was very nervous going into that. Now I finished that year on one hundred and thirty thousand. Okay, that's one hundred and twenty of that was in the six the first six months of the year. Wow. Yeah, so right. I had a very good six months. So I felt very nervous going into that. We set the budget, I remember, I think 200000 for that year. I, was, yeah. I felt that was an intimidating amount. Um, but Angela just kept pushing with it and backed it in with it. And I think it took about six weeks or so to get a listing. So it was about midway through that August period of the financial year. Yeah. And then and then things just started running. I think I listed seven that month, six wow. the next month. And then... And then I went on a really strong run for about four months where I, you know, I think I wrote up just under 200,000 for that half year in yeah. those final three months of the year. Phenomenal. Yeah, I remember speaking to Angela and it just all came together for you and it was just so momentum. Was referral business, yeah. repeat clients, that things started happening for me from the work I was being putting in over the last three months. And then, and then once again, like that, that was the uh, that period of the following three months. I remember going on a bit of a lull actually, going into the new calendar year. So the yeah. second half of that financial year, I was like, not this again. Like the same, you know, the same thing yeah. happened the year before. And then I think I started doing quite well in that last three months. But that that old trick happens where you, you start not prospecting again because you're so busy doing deal negotiation. And I was doing a lot of deals for Angelo as well, obviously with the buy yeah, management. Doing, yeah. So I didn't control my time in those final few months. So on the surface, I was flying with the opportunities I had, but it, it, it came back to bite me in that early stage of the year after. Yeah. yeah. And then we just had to reset things, really look at what we could do to sort of shift the needle. Yeah. Um, and, and then that did happen again. And then that kept, yeah. yeah. So, so talk me through that time there. You've come off a good run. And I think this happens so much, especially agents in that first one to three years. You get on a good momentum, you get used to listing two or three, the managing of that, for whatever reason, you're probably not prospecting the way you were, um, and then you get off track. Um, and I think this is where ultimately the agents that are most successful find a way to get back on track. Talk me through how you kind of, you know, you saw that 
and then you kind of, I guess, got yourself back onto momentum again. I found a serious catch up then, so I haven't probably listed maybe one or two properties in three months, and, and yep. that was slow for what I was doing previously, and um, I was still on track for what I was writing because I had come off such a strong period. Um, yeah. But but I knew that that was in the past. That didn't matter at that point now. So it was a new year, and things were slow, but the market was strong, so there was no excuse. So yeah. Um, we just really sat down and, and broke it down and we and, and we did figure out that my listing presentation at that time and this is early 2021 now um, w- was soft so we really aggressively worked on training with that yep. started working around the auction process that's probably the big other one i didn't mention i over that summer break i was pretty down i had you know i knew i didn't have any listings coming back to market with mm. january even though i come off a strong period i, I sort of reassessed my business I hadn't run auction campaigns to that, and I remember Callum told me about a year and a half ago that the biggest shift for him was getting really good at running auction campaigns. Yeah. So I just made a decision that I was going to spend all summer holidays, and I took a bit of time off, understanding the auction process, getting really confident with it, and making a really big decision, even though maybe very uncomfortable, to push auction campaigns. And at that time, I wasn't calling any, but it was yeah, more well. just running that process. And every property I went into unless it really didn't suit up, I just pushed auction. Mm. And, and that just took off. So I started getting opportunities off the back of those. I got very confident with running campaigns, deal negotiation, and that was a massive shift. And at that time, Angela mm. was running a lot of auctions himself as well, so it was quite natural to go into it myself. Yeah, and you're learning from the best. I mean, I don't think anyone was better at that process and that negotiation Absolutely. on the day, he was just a weapon. I mean, I feel like, especially with auctions, that auction negotiation on the day where it stops at 900 the reserves 950 that's where i feel an agent actually steps up to being valuable or i think they just they become that next level of an agent when you're able to put a deal together when it's a difficult situation a buyer doesn't want to pay any more money you've got a vendor stuck on uh, their reserve and bringing that together on the day is an art um and i think that yeah I, i saw you grow so much in that process um, and I guess ultimately what that gives you is confidence that you are the best agent because you Absolutely. know that you're so good at running that process that when you sit there with a vendor and you look them in the eye, you can feel really comfortable knowing you're you know, the right person to represent them. So, Absolutely. Um, so tell us about auctioning because I guess ultimately something probably different to the mould. Um, you know, you, how, long, how old were you when you, you became an auctioneer? Well, I became an auctioneer, Michael and myself did our licence in 2018, but there was wow. no intention to call an auction. Uh, I kind of, I think we wanted two days off work, so we'll, we'll, go, get, we'll go get an auction license, yeah. tax deduction, and we'll, we'll go have a bit of fun for two days in the week. So, yeah, I haven't seen Michael do too many auctions. Yeah. So it, it, it was zero intention of calling an auction. Zero yeah. intention. I, I probably didn't think I'd ever call an auction, or if I did, it would maybe wow. be in five, ten years. Um, I remember sitting down uh, with Phil and Angelo at the time, and going what's going to get me to the next level with confidence a bit like getting really good at auction campaigns mm. uh, and it wasn't about the brand awareness of every client referrals and etc and, and what that mm. looks like for yourself in the marketplace it was more the internal belief that would give me and then we really identified i hated public speaking uh, mm. still don't love it but i like the opportunity now but still struggle with it yeah that the biggest thing that would give me confidence in the living room on the phone speaking with buyers at opens negotiations was was actually going out there and calling an auction yeah so i I made an agreement with phil that i would i would list the auction within the next three months the next campaign i listed as an auction i would call it so i picked an absolute dad on emergency (laughs) road and prospect and i um Uh, i got it on a wednesday night at 5 30 peak hour traffic perfect time yeah Yeah, but i had to go and it was a um and it was very well priced and i uh, literally practiced 
I couldn't tell you how many times. I knew everything to the back of my hand because I just decided that I was going to be extremely nervous either way to the point where I might not have been able to do it, mm. but I was going to know it so well that the preparation would give me the confidence. Mm. Uh, big, you know, big lesson was that the consistency and preparation is gives you the ability to actually to sort of override that stress and that nerve as well. So. Yeah, practice for about three months every day, so many times a day. I had the script written out two months before because it was a long list and I knew it was coming out. And, mm. and then on the day, it was just like clockwork as well. And then as soon as that first one happened, it completely shifted everything. Mm. And that might not be a big deal for some people, but to me, that changed everything. Yeah. And, and the way I spoke to people, the way I could speak with conviction completely mm. changed. And then I started calling a lot of auctions after that. And, yeah. You know, within weeks, I was calling auctions in Millswood and different suburbs and, and quite large one but you know well over a million etc so um, that just completely changed it and that I, mean, I don't know if it's coincidence but that month going back in uh, april 2021 last year i wouldn't have had a month after that i would have written since then today i wouldn't have had a month i haven't written less than thirty thousand besides the month we transitioned Unbelievable. and it's like that gave me the ability to go and be consistent out there in the market as well yeah phenomenal i mean and obviously we do training every thursday morning and i'm seeing you grow and you know i think that you know, you're becoming a wonderful auctioneer and I think that it's not for everybody, but I think that it fits you really well and you've done an incredible job to be able to manage running a high-paced sales business but also be a fantastic auctioneer, which uh, I guess just gives you another strength to your bow. Um, but yeah, you and I have both seen it. I think where people get too distracted with, with, mm. with things in real estate and I think auctioneering can be a big one where Absolutely. you get too distracted when you're trying to grow your career and, and you're spread too thin and then mm. you, all of a sudden you're not listing what you know you should but there's this easy cash flow option of auctions so you see these people Definitely. going into this auctioneering business when they could have had a potential phenomenal career absolutely so i made a decision earlier that it wasn't going to be me if i made the decision very clearly and i spoke with angelo about it is the day that auctioneering started affecting my business mm. i'll drop the auctioneering yeah the business came first uh, it hasn't affected, I've been able to manage it around it, but yeah. even today, if I felt that really started affecting my ability to list good property Thanks. and sell it, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll drop it tomorrow. Yeah, fantastic. So transitioning from that, obviously, you, you talk about Angelo, and I guess obviously something that's both pretty close to our hearts. Uh, so it's late 2020, um, and you know, I think it's a, you know, a Friday morning I get the call. Um, I'm sure you heard, I think it was maybe the next day or maybe that afternoon. That afternoon. Yeah. So, so talk me through that. Like you're in a business, everything's going, you know, Angelo, you know, and your team, you're writing over 2 million a year, doing 250 plus sales. Um, and then obviously it all just comes crashing down a bit. Talk me through a bit um, about how that all kind of came about. Yeah, it's crazy when you look at it like that because you don't think about it in context now as much. But it's a, yeah, it was a phenomenal time before that. We were coming off a, it just felt like we were invincible. The team, like thinking, yeah. we were writing two to two hundred and fifty thousand every month. My career was flying. I was loving working with the guys. Mm. Angelo was like everything was just going well. It, you know, nothing could have gone wrong. I finally, after almost at that point four years in real estate, given yeah. taking different positions, I'd finally found the position that made sense and felt very comfortable. Yeah, and then. And then I remember, yeah, the Friday is a um, still probably one of, probably one of the toughest days of my life. But a Friday afternoon, he got called. He'd had a few. He'd been off a bit in the last couple of weeks, so we knew something was up. Uh, mm. Been a little bit unwell at the doctor a bit. And Friday afternoon, we went to his house, and 
I remember myself, Todd, Daniela, and as soon as I saw Phil's car and Sam Lee's car for Harris, I knew something was obviously mm. up straight away. And yeah. And that feeling just dropped. And uh, yeah, I remember him telling us, and it was, it was probably the hardest news I've ever heard. It, very, very different to family members who have you know, been sick in the past. This was very different. It actually mm. got a lot closer to home because I'd never been mm. with someone every day who'd been, who'd been sick. So it, yeah. it affected me probably a lot more than I, I realised or thought it ever would, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it definitely rocked me, and I remember walking out of there and just making a decision that I'll, I'll do everything I could to, to support his business in whatever way that would look, and uh, incredible to see mm. where that ended up going with the new company, and never thought that would even you know, happen at any point, so, yeah. um, but I just made a decision of whatever it took up, you know, I'd look to support his business, and obviously in turn that would support me as well. Yeah, which I mean, I, you could see it at the time from an outside looking into your team it was a little you know such a, a strong unit you know you guys were just a family and uh i know angelo was obviously devastated to feel that he couldn't drive the team how he wanted moving forward but um yeah you guys did an incredible job to support each other um and then you know like for me real estate is one of those things like you can I've seen lots of agents across the country, Adelaide, they go, right, two, three, four, five million dollars in real estate, and that's fantastic. Um, and incredibly impressive, but I think that 12 months from when Angelo got diagnosed um, until obviously uh, we started a new business, I, I just think it was just the most incredible period where, um, you know, and you can probably tell me better, but Angelo's, you know, off doing chemo every fortnight, um, he's got all sorts of things going on in his life. Um, he decided to uh, go do Arik as well during that period. Um, and as a team, uh, you've also got COVID we're going through. Yeah. So we're kind of in the middle of COVID. You know, he's you know going through cancer. And as a team, you still just wrote incredible numbers. Mm. So just talk me through how that all looked and, and, and I guess how you achieved so much in that 12 months. Yeah, it's quite crazy looking back. It's uh, I think we sold 183 properties that wow. that fitting year, and he was around for maybe six weeks of it in terms of <laughs> fully on board yeah. from July to mid August. Wow, it's crazy. So, um, I remember the week after. So the day he announced he 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 was sick, the Friday he found out. I think the night before properly. Yeah. He put down everything that day. So it wasn't that he was still going to be portion you know, in the business by portion. Mm. He was out one hundred and ten percent until yeah. he had proper surgery and came back, which as we all know was about three to four months later. Mm. But that was a three to four month period where his phone was on divert to me. He he was not contactable. Yeah. No matter how hard the problem. So had a lot of growing up to do very quickly. Yeah. You know, it was people like yourself supporting Phil at the time as well. And, and and I think it was just that growing up opportunity as well when there was a problem, it wasn't just going to Angelo and can you deal with it or help yeah. with this deal or your vendor was being difficult or they don't want to deal with me, the junior agent, they want to deal with you. Yeah. There was none of that, it was sink or swim. Um, and we just thrived. We, uh, that week, I remember when he when he went off, I, I did 10 deals that week, over wow. 160,000 that week in deals in wow. the seven days after. I know all his properties, but just in terms of deal negotiation. And after that week, I'm like, let's just do everything we can to get this into. We're going to lose some because they're going to, there's going to be people who only go with him with the relationship. Mm. But let's just try and steady the ship and do what we can. Uh, Phil came in for a little bit, steady the ship for a month or two. But from the first day of January coming back, really from that point onward, which was, as I said, that summer where I'd had a little bit of a quiet period myself coming mm. up, 
we made the decision and Angelo made the decision probably more importantly that he was going to work part-time essentially yeah so as we all know with the chemo time he he was not contactable that was three business days yeah. every second week so you think of a person working part-time at the peak of their career you wouldn't think it's doable and then he just right. had to learn how to work smart yeah I mean just in terms of yeah that's what I say from you know just looking at what he achieved and you know I'd speak to him on a Wednesday and uh, and then that would be mm. it for three days and then it would just be not speaking to him and all of a sudden you'd speak to him Saturday and it was back to normal and yeah. you know he just kept running this incredible you know cycle of being a high performing agent but still you know going through something uh, immensely difficult in his personal life and I, I think the the adversity um, and the ability to stay positive in that time is just yeah, it's just incredible to watch. Very hard to fathom. It's probably the you know the greatest success story I know. Just in mm. terms of that twelve months, what was achievable? And yeah, because at the time, if you remember, he was going through so much growth in his own career. Yeah, that that was almost the time that it all came together for him, where it really started to explode. It probably happened for you maybe two years before that, but for him, it was really oh. that year where it exploded. He was yeah, and it, and I could tell it frustrated him almost that he would be. He knew what he could have done if he if he were completely fit, um, but you know he, he was as a lot of high performers a bit of a control freak, so mm. he had to learn very 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 quickly how to yeah. let go um, of the process of his vendors etc. I think that's difficult for a lot of high performing agents mm. and even with proper yeah their own team managers etc. That that whole thing of not having to control everything, it's letting yeah. go of tasks as well. So. Um, he had to do that very very quickly um, and, and, and he did very very well at adjusting like I felt like at the time it was a great analogy it was just shifting, shifting the goalpost very quickly he was working mm. Sundays etc he made the decision from January on when he wouldn't work another Sunday yeah, from working as you know every Sunday so very much not Angelo yeah. so he went to about 7 days realistically working for every, every 14 days so he was working 14 yeah. uh, and I think off the top of my head I reckon he had his best 12 months that, or that best 6 months that following six months so his yeah. average price went up his conversion went up and he just started working very smart so yeah. myself and him would start going to a lot of listing presentations together yeah um, i would often take the baton and run with it he would introduce me i'd probably get the listing across the line um, and then and then he'd be there present through it but a lot of the time obviously as we know he, he wasn't able to be there doing the heavy lifting yeah yeah unbelievable and i guess you know through that as well awful period it definitely i think yeah gave you the opportunity to step up yeah. Um, because obviously you were probably the senior agent in that team at the time, even though you were still pretty new in, in the grand scheme. But I think that, you know, you took the baton and you ran with it and you just started absolutely dominating from that point. So across, it's been what's coming up to almost 12 months. Mm -hmm. um, talk me through that first few months, because obviously once you're on board, you're on board. Scary, exciting, talk me all through it. Yeah, I, I just get reminded myself of why, why I moved in the first place to Adelaide. It was, it was that same thing of burning the bridges and and, yeah. I'm, 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 and almost talking myself out of moving. I was like, what, hang on, you're just not, you know, you're not, you're not potentially moving because you're scared of maybe being affected with your income, the opportunity, maybe yeah. having an egg on your face if it doesn't work out and walking back with your tail between your legs. Absolutely. But, but that's, all, that's all in your head. Like it was a... Um, 
it, it was an it was an opportunity as I said I didn't want to pass up so those first two to three months were it was just a crazy period of time wasn't it it was yeah. uh, <laughs> we were doing brochures marketing it was, was it was just phenomenal it was yeah what was the it was still dust all over the yeah, ground. Yeah. There was yeah, wires. Yeah, you had a duster in your car for the R&D. But the clients there will come to the office. No, no, we'll, we'll meet you at a cafe. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, so, but, um, but, you know, well, we said, I remember you and I have said at the time, maybe the end of November, we were sitting here, it was just you and I on a Sunday, and it was concrete, concrete box, and you and yeah. I were working before the day we started the business on the Monday. Uh, they said that we'll look back on this in 12 months and, and love the memories of this absolutely so forget the fit out or the quality of anything it just yeah. in terms of that rawness as well of a business and, yeah and it's a phenomenal thing 11 months later you look at what's set up here now it's uh it's been such a whirlwind um, but at the same time it's been a very methodical process as well and it's just allowed me to a degree with you just running the business for me just to put my head down and absolutely just thrive on my business, which has just gone to obviously another level in the last probably nine months, I would say, since February onward was a yeah. career breakthrough month. 